What is going on, Internet? Welcome back to another episode of Nerdy Nomicron. I'm your host, Alex, a.k.a. Snurfin. Joining me today, of course, my two homies, Ollie the Vonstrosity. What's up, man? Hey, nothing much. Awesome. And Ryan the Synthetic. What up, homie? Hello, hello. How's everybody doing? Doing oh, great. Hell yeah been a lot going on in the world these days that's for definitely sure definitely has been taking two weeks uh with one pre-recorded episode definitely feels like we've missed out on a bunch i yep. know no, yeah definitely, definitely does uh but i mean we're here now yes, yeah, sir. Um, right. episode 15 was definitely a good one so check that out if you haven't oh yeah that's right this is episode 17 for those who are listening i forgot to mention that is it or is it no, 17 it is 17 16 no listeners it's episode 372 it's actually episode 576 well fuck all that multiverse hopping has got me confused <laughs> it is it is a, a rather trending um not genre but subject lately i guess yeah yeah that's true oh yeah however the biggest thing to happen in the last couple of weeks and everybody knows it, and we got to talk about it. And that is the Microsoft acquisition of Activision Blizzard for sixty-eight billion dollars. That's a Absolutely. lot of spondooly. That's a that's a ton of cash. Yeah, that I did not see that coming. I heard that. Um, I don't know how it exactly works, but people were saying that Microsoft <clears throat> has the spending money of only like 130 billion dollars and they spent a good chunk of that on this acquisition so phil spencer must have fucking sold this acquisition to his higher-ups and been like this is gonna make us money and from what i know is that the I feel like it's the candy crush studio king yeah. that makes a shit ton of money for activision blizzard they and sure that do. alone was probably worth the 70 billion dollar acquisition and not to mention that um, I know with all that's been going on with Act with Blizzard specifically, I think it is, or is it Activision where they have that really shitty CEO that's had a bunch of all like of sexual he's assault? The, he's the, he's the CEO of both. He's the CEO of yeah. Activision Blizzard. <laughs> yeah, and and like apparently that guy was the Bobby one... Kotick. You're a fucking clown. Yeah, but apparently he, apparently he's the one that pretty much pulled either activision or blizzard from the ground up and made it to what it is today since like the 90s and but basically he's just like been cultivating a um uh, an atmosphere that is just not welcoming to um certain a certain gender yeah well yeah he's just a piece of shit he's a walking talking yeah. piece of shit yeah um, that seems and to be... it stands to make a serious fucking payout after all this is said and done which yes, sucks to... because he's such a piece of shit but, yeah, I think what like three hundred million dollars is what his payout is going to be, um, like that. and that's oh. insane. That that's a fraction of that seventy billion dollars. There are what? Uh, it's a whole magnitude difference. It's a thousand like million 3%. in a billion, right? Yeah, a thousand million in a billion, and yeah. there's seventy billion. So this guy is making like less than. I, I don't want to do the math off the top of my head, but like less than like 5%. Sure. But still, yeah, that's like a crazy big acquisition. Um, But like on the bright side with 
Phil Spencer fucking running the show, I feel like Activision Blizzard can go a long ways. Shout out to Uncle Phil, fan of the show. <laughs> One thing, yeah, please, Phil Spencer, like fucking sponsor us. But, um,. <laughs> yeah like one thing that i i like came to my realization is basically like all of those are gonna be exclusives like just the same way that the bethesda acquisition made everything exclusive except for the contracts they still had with sony um everything is going to be an exclusive from that point on so like i feel i feel like sony is just like dead in the water at this point in terms of like studios because what xbox has like 46 now something ridiculous like that i think sony only really has naughty dog at this point oh they got like i think sony has like 12 studios yeah santa monica oh yeah but i'm talking like like your big hitters well yeah i mean okay but that was that was the whole argument with sony versus uh, microsoft that microsoft or xbox has no um has no games or something like that was the argument and that's because they believed all of sony's yeah no single player games and that's because all of all of sony stuff are single player like triple a budget like well received games like even their worst received one was um days gone and that has a huge cult following so like you know and and Sony's got the quality, and from what I hear, Sony's kind of more focused on selling that premium feel to their um, platform, whereas Xbox is trying to be more accessible to like general audiences. But I, I, I will say, like at this point, I feel like there's no reason why you wouldn't want an Xbox, no matter what kind of gamer you are. There's something for you on Xbox. Mm-hmm. And that's sort like of uh, that, that brings me to what I was th- talking about before we started the show, and. I hadn't really thought of this before, but when it comes to exclusivity now, do you think that we're going to see more Microsoft games moving over to the Blizzard launcher for PC Game Pass rather than uh, Xbox's separate um, launcher, like the the Xbox installer mm. app? Oh No, no, I don't. And, and my point comes from the fact that my uh, Halo is on Steam. So like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I feel like they're trying to make it more accessible and it's on games for Windows or whatever the new one is, just Windows store, I think. Um and 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 Steam and I've no idea if there's any Microsoft games currently on the Epic Store. But um I just sure. I just I don't see that happening for that reason that they're trying to be more accessible and the and the less um what 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 is the term I'm looking for here? Like the less access on the market you have, the less people are gonna like play your platform, basically. Okay, so like, are you are you saying then that you think we're gonna see stuff like Overwatch appearing on multiple platforms? Uh, totally within yeah. launchers rather than just Blizzard Activision. Yeah, hundred percent. Because okay. I don't know, like from my days of playing, um, uh, computer games being my like primary platform. I hated when things were on Origin or on the Blizzard launcher. Like yeah. <laughs> most of my games were Steam and I love the ones that were DRM free even because like you didn't even need to have it open to play those games. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just I feel like for for a pro consumer approach, you definitely don't want things on like a private launcher. But at the same time, I feel like the average person probably doesn't care about having to open a launcher up. It, it, I don't know. I could see it going both ways, but overall, I feel like it wouldn't make sense 
because of how they're doing things with Halo already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I got you. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're going to start seeing uh, over the next few months here. We're probably going to get a good good chunk of titles coming to, to both. Pass. To both. Yeah, to both game passes. Yeah. When, like I, was, uh, when do we actually see the fruits of this acquisition? Because I know okay, it was that's a what good was... couple of months in between, like Bethesda's acquisition, to yeah. when we actually saw those games on Game Pass. I think it's going to be a few months. Actually, I think we're in. I think it's territory. Gonna, I think it's longer than that because like I heard. Yeah, because. Um, the Bethesda acquisition happened very close to them, like signing the paperwork. And I, I'm just hearing that something's different about this acquisition because they're, they've basically gotten the green light to purchase it, but I don't think they've signed all the paperwork. Whereas when we heard about the Bethesda acquisition, that was all signed and ready to go. So that was a few months from the speculation I've heard on, on at least Reddit, it's going to be like a year till we start seeing like actual, like Activision Blizzard titles show up on Xbox. Not to mention that um, a few of them are like mainly PC games, and I know they are on Xbox, but I think Microsoft will probably work on making those better for Xbox right. than like, I don't know, like StarCraft. Like if they were to bring StarCraft to Xbox. I mean, you could. It would suck using a, <laughs> <laughs> using yeah. a controller. But... <laughs> no, but 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 two things is that um some PC games like strategy games you can actually plug in a keyboard and mouse to your Xbox and play it like that. Um and then not to mention that X, that there is the Xbox game games like app on the PC. So at the very least they'll be transferring it to the PC Games Pass. Right. Um but I totally see them because their whole thing is that Xbox exclusives are going to be on every supported platform, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of in their like in their policy already to convert games to Xbox. So I I see them spending some time transferring games like StarCraft to um Xbox. And then right. I know that <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, and then I know that Overwatch was already on Games Pass for a while. I think, right? I don't remember. I feel like um, it. I feel I like know. it was. I would say yes, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not certain. Or at least on PC Games Pass. I don't know about Xbox Games Pass, but um, yeah. Anyways, that'll that'll happen again and what and whatnot. But I think we'll we'll definitely see games that are already um Xbox platform show up probably before the end of that year. But um. Yeah, I think it'll be about a, a year from what I've heard till we see um, a lot of Activision Blizzard games come on. Not to mention that um, there are there are current um, exclusivity contracts with like COD with PlayStation, like they get DLC packs first. I don't know if actually that's still a thing, but from uh, the longest I remember is that COD DLCs always came out first on PlayStation, like a month or two ahead, something like that. Yeah, but back in the day, they were affiliated with Microsoft and Xbox. That was the original yeah. platform agreement. Yeah, yeah, I think it changed like the year before the Xbox One released. Which I remember really playing, uh, I think it was COD, <laughs> COD Ghosts on the Xbox 360. And my brother and I read about the uh, the Switch because at that time, Xbox was still getting DLC about a month before PlayStation was. So oh, we, were, really? we were both pretty salty about that when we learned that we were going to be getting content a, a month at least later than PlayStation. Sucks to suck, though, in that world. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, know how much, well, do you know how many things we've been shafted as Xbox players? Yeah. Um, <laughs> over the years, God of War being one of them, more on that later. 
Yeah. Um, but like, not even just that. Like all the Naughty Dog games, you can't play an Uncharted game. Yeah, Uncharted. On PlayStation. Um, Jack and Daxter. Um, right. Fucking... They've got wicked, wicked games, and it sucks Ra- that Ratchet we don't and have Clank. Them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 now they're porting a lot of those games to PC, which is great. But um, yeah, seriously, like ex- PlayStation has been like the exclusivity king, basically. Well, I think it'd anymore. be cool if they uh, if they attach um, like further subscription fees into the uh, uh, Game Pass, um, like Ultimate Attachment. Like just to throw out an example, maybe like the monthly fee that you play for World of Warcraft is now added into your Game Pass Ultimate. It's uh, subsidized like, through your through your Game Pass Ultimate membership. Yeah, exactly. And then you just link so you, accounts to Blizzard Activision, and, and so you, you can play World of Warcraft, but not or, actually have or to the pay, other way around. Not have to pay a dual dual. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the way I see it is that actually by paying for Games Pass, they'll make it so that you have access to like World of Warcraft, or you know. Uh, I feel like if they actually did that, they would have to do that for Elder Scrolls Online because Elder Scrolls Online now is a Bethesda, you know, it is a Bethesda ZeniMax um, property, um, but you still have to pay for your own subscription for it. So maybe they won't do a World of Warcraft um, part of Games Pass, but I feel like it would maybe be in their best interest because I don't know if you guys have heard in the recent year or so. There's been a lot of World of Warcraft issues and their player base, from what I believe, is supposed to be like falling off this at the edge of a cliff. Like mm. they're not really retaining their veteran players anymore. Well, I'm certain like, that has a lot to do with are they just not doing much with the game anymore? Um well, that and like all the company bullshit that's going on over there. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure that plays a really big part in all of it. I think the controversy comes from at least one of the controversies I heard was one where, you know, you know, when um, there was a bunch of um, companies uh, like Disney, for example, on Disney Plus, they removed like two or three episodes from certain shows that had any mention of blackface or sexual assault or something like that. Right. Um, Blizzard did that with World of Warcraft and they removed moved some storylines that could be misconstrued towards racism or sexual assault from what i've heard and a lot of people were like this is stupid because because those missions those storylines were very much commentaries on the issue rather than making light of it which is true for most things that these days that i've seen with like blackface uh, as an example like with it's always sunny in philadelphia there's an episode um where um one of the main cast does blackface uh because they were trying to make sequels to lethal weapon and in their sequels (laughs) they were basically they were playing the characters themselves but none of the cast is is black so they were kind of flipping back and forth between playing the character as um in blackface or just basically just being a white guy playing the character and the whole point of that was the commentary that they were doing with blackface being appropriate or inappropriate and i think they did it really well and they were they basically came to the conclusion or at least you should have as the viewer that it was um inappropriate to do it in a way that made light of the issue um and 
uh, yeah, so they they basically axed those episodes from a lot of streaming services, and it's dumb because you're kind of like throwing the the whole commentary under the bus where you could educate people on on you know it's kind of like that um those who are are not aware of history are doomed to repeat it kind of saying where like if you're not aware of the issues then like you're just gonna have people walk into those same issues in the future yeah like like you're saying that like censoring the problem only leads to furthering the problem yeah essentially because if there's no history of those issues then like i i guess yeah like people could go right back into it and not know what's wrong it's like you see that today with um, education systems not teaching people about the residential schools in, that uh, that happened in Canada that were run by the church and like okayed by the government, basically, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't remember very much talk about that when I was in school. I know that I was aware of it, but they really didn't go into detail about what happened at these schools or just how um rampant it was and that the fact that they o- the last one only closed down in like 1996 or something that was like not that long ago that was actually when i was born so um you know like yeah just making censoring these issues definitely doesn't solve the issue the root cause of the issue mm-hmm but anyways, how did this we is... get so far off topic? No, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's why I'm bringing it, bringing it back. Okay, so this is this is part of the reason the controversy that I heard with World of Warcraft is that they're basically censoring things without like actually resolving the issue, because um, there were so many allegations of like sexual assault, and I think was it Blizzard that had um, a woman basically quit being like throughout my whole career there I was like treated differently and whatnot I'm sure there's more than a yeah. few who probably have that and yeah. anyways so instead of um, changing company policy and owning up to the fact that this was happening in the company they removed any any connotations in their games that had to do with like um gender imbalances or or anything like that like what warner bros does sorry like what warner bros does whenever they have any kind of controversy instead of like tackling the issue they just go and try and show that they're like hip with things and they're they're cool and they understand when all all it comes across as that they are furthering this narrative that they're that they're not a great company and like they don't provide anything and they they are only looking for money kind of thing like like the justice yeah. league for example yeah. and like oh, how okay. they completely cut out the character of cyborg and then they had tons of claims being like it, it was very um they had a very tough experience on set uh, between Gal Gadot and um, what's his name, the actor that played Cyborg, because they were just they were being appropriated the entire time. Ray so instead Fisher. of tackling, yeah, Ray that Fisher. That's it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so instead of tackling the issue and um, doing anything about the people that were actually involved in this, they Joss instead Whedon. we're talking about Joss Whedon, right? We're talking about Joss Whedon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> they decide that it's a great idea to cut a bunch of these characters, and they're going to add in new characters that are the same. But these characters are now, um, like whether it be a, a gender swap or 
uh, like a race swap type of thing, but it's the same people instead of introducing new characters. Wait, what? Like, yeah, like, so you, so you mean... Just covering it up slightly so that they kind of don't look like the bad guy. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, okay. So, so yeah, I guess, it, like, do you mean, is that like the equivalent of when... Um, like on Pride Day, they like all the companies change their logos to like the rainbow, like the Pride color flag, and then they'll and everyone in the comments will just be like, "You guys are just doing this for clout. You actually don't have like policies that like support yeah. people and whatnot." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then like, they just put out their tweet on the first day of the month and be like, "Hey, we support uh, the LGBTQ plus community," and then nothing afterwards. Yeah. So that just like shows just how like out of touch Blizzard is because instead of like at least pretending to put a face on like that, they'll literally just like be like, no, we're not changing anything, and like w- like we're fine. We're just gonna fire those people that have been victimized and everything like that. Um, so fucked, man. And I don't know if you guys heard as well that um, I think they don't recognize that union that was just formed by like the. Is it Ravensoft Studios, the support studio for I think Call of Duty? Um, yep. They just they just formed a union because they're all a bunch of playtesters, and I think with the latest Call of Duty, they didn't even like use them to playtest. Really, they just like they threw the game out there, and like um, everyone had so many glaring issues with the beta and everything like that, and like it was obvious that it hadn't been playtested. And I think the 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 studio in retaliation or somehow related to that issue, they were like, we're forming a studio. And then just on the news the other day, I heard that they're not being that studio is being refused to be recognized by Blizzard, Activision Blizzard. So, um, and then somebody asked Phil Spencer about that in a um interview. And Phil Spencer basically gave like a non-answer. He didn't say whether they were going to uphold like accepting that union or not. He was just going to, he just basically said that um, they're going to do their best to maintain like the happiness of the workers. So take that with what you will, but I feel like Xbox is doing okay or Microsoft is doing okay with like how they're treating their studios and whatnot. Yeah, they're not. Perfect. They'll probably do a lot. Yeah, they'll probably do a lot better of a job than act than Bobby Kotick or whatever his name is is doing. Well, he'll be gone once this acquisition comes together. Yeah. Um, and I really think that Microsoft is going to clean this place up and make it a much a much more uh, hospitable workplace. One hundred percent. Because don't they, as like the owners of all these studios, have like the final say in who basically is CEO or whatever of these companies? I'm not certain how that works, but I do yeah. know that it's looking more and more like once this finalizes, Bobby Kotick's going to hit the road. He's going to take yeah. his payout and he's going to fuck off. Yeah. But what sure. I'm more interested in is what are we getting as exclusives going forward? What exactly oh. are we going to get the entire library? Like, is Call of Duty going to become an exclusive beast to one hundred percent? It will be. Like, there's there's no doubt about it. Okay, so um, I guess I have a few points in regard to that. So, um, first of all, I think there was a post on Reddit where somebody did did the math of the agreements that Sony currently has with. Um, with the call of duty studios and activision blizzard for the exclusives and um basically that's a 
minute fraction of the cost that Microsoft just spent buying the company. So like arguably that that Redditor was saying that there's no reason Xbox needs to put that um, any Call of Duty title on PlayStation because they'll just make all that money back with Games Pass. Um, but having said that, Xbox has been approaching um, Sony or has approached Sony in the past with the idea of having Games Pass on PlayStation. Cause no, it'll at, never happen. I know, but like Phil Spencer, time and time again, has been like, we are open to having Game Pass on any platform. It's just up to them to accept it. And that was around the time. And um, they the won't. Yeah, Sony's and, too high and mighty. They will not accept that. There's no way they're yeah. going to allow their biggest competitor's platform on their yeah. platform. Yes. And, but the thing that I argue maybe they will is because, like, Call of Duty is one of those games, like Call of Duty, Madden, NHL, those games are played by so many casual that have that don't care that it's like a money grabbing every year release that it will just attract crowds anyways so i feel like sony has a lot to lose by not having call of duty anymore and but i I don't think we'll see that really until 2030 no not 2035 i think there's like five more years left of call of duty games um on playstation there's like current contracts that last for another five years, I think. And then five they do years. A, and then they do a renegotiation. But now that Xbox has purchased it, at the end of those contracts, just like with Deathloop and whatever else it was that was on PlayStation when Bethesda was bought. Um Ghost Tire Ghost Wire Ghost Tire. Ghost, Ghost yeah, Wire Tokyo. Ghost Wire Tokyo. <laughs> Those Ghost are, Tire Tokyo, a redneck story, like a redneck horror story. <laughs> those are um, those are going to be Xbox exclusives afterwards. Um, like for any, if there's a Deathloop two, that probably won't come to PlayStation. No, Star- probably not. Yeah, Starfield <laughs> will never go to PlayStation. Elder Scrolls, um, the next Fallout game, like those are never going to hit PlayStation again. No. Um. So yeah, I like I don't. I don't see PlayStation winning the battle in the end in like five years. Like they're going to have to be really hard pressed to get some exclusive shooter game to fill the void of Call of Duty. And well, I'm sure they'll find a studio willing to do that. I'm quite certain Respawn's still free agent. Yes. Yeah. Respawn is, um, I think Dice is too, right? But like no one wants to touch Dice right now. (laughs) <laughs> yeah some would say they're, they're, they're mean, a bit dicey yeah <laughs> they're, they really shot the bed with um battlefield 2042 um but yeah like and then i don't know if you guys have heard the rumors that sony is having project spartacus yeah, it's their own it's their own version of game Pass, which i yeah. think is good for them applause all around um i'm not certain if it's if they're gonna work it exactly the same as as what we have yeah, I don't I don't know. Like all already like what they have to offer is not really that impressive. I mean, PS Plus is cheaper than Games Pass Ultimate, but it's basically equivalent to just Games Pass, not Ultimate. Um and then PlayStation Now is something you need to play multiplayer games. Whereas on Xbox, 15 bucks a month will get you multiplayer games and a game library. But I think on PlayStation you're looking at like a 
like $120. Oh, on Microsoft, any game that's multiplayer is free to play online. You don't need a subscription for that. I don't think that's true, is it? Yeah. That was a that, recent that, change. That happened like two years ago. I thought it was sooner than that. No. Like, it, I thought it was it must, announced it must, two years ago. It must have been in the last few months because I remember. No, it's been years. A year, I remember a year ago reading that without Xbox Live, you still can't play multiplayer games. Um, but so there's Games Pass, which gives you the game library. And then there's Games Pass Ultimate, which is the game library, the PC game library, and multiplayer. I'm pretty sure if you have just Games Pass, you can't do multiplayer games. You can play any multiplayer game online for free without any sort of subscription. 100%. Hmm. Hmm. I'm telling okay. you, it's been like the last two years. Two, three years uh, that's when that went down. I see this here is saying, well, this uh, this response was posted on April 21st, 2021. So it's it's been at least one year. Okay. Maybe just time flies by. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, well. Well, I'm curious to see what Sony's PlayStation Spartacus ends up being. Rumors are is that they're going to announce it for February and that there's going to be a PlayStation conference or whatever before the end of the month. Um, but yeah, like I think Games Pass is beating them by like a fucking astronomical unit. Like, Well, and they've got different list. tiers of it too, right? Like it's not just... What, what are they calling it? PlayStation Plus? Like the the Project Spartacus tiers? Oh, sorry. Project Spartacus. Yeah, there's, there's supposed yeah. to be like three tiers of it. So like, what is, yeah, and what is that? What does that get you? I think something to do with one of them offers a library, a backlog library of PS4 games. Um, so that I don't, I don't remember what the other one does. I don't know, Maybe. but all, all I know is that I would really like my fucking money's worth. Because since I've subscribed to PlayStation Plus, the monthly games... Boo! The the monthly Boo. games they drop have been like really lackluster. Like, is it PlayStation Plus or PlayStation Now where they have like three games dropping every month for free? And um, um, you know what? I'm not really familiar with their with their God, services. No. Me neither. All I know is that I have um have both right now. But the the last month they had Godfall Challenger Edition, and Godfall Challenger Edition is end game content for Godfall. It's basically a demo where you have all the end game abilities and, oh, right. and armor and weapons i got that free on uh on uh, oh, uh epic games epic yeah thank you yeah and then this I month played it yet is it any fun uh i hear that like it's really monotonous and that um it's it's it would be an interesting story and like the the set design is really good but i hear that it's just like hack and slash like over and over again like there's no variety to it is the combat satisfying though um i don't that i don't really know i feel like i hear it 50 50 either you're really interested in the combat or the combat is like okay because it's repetitive i'll have to check it out i think more people lean towards the combat being good but i can't remember it's been a while since i've really heard much about that game but um and then this month or this in February, they're dropping um, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep, which is a um, DLC. That's, that's that the was, old DLC for Borderlands yeah, 2, that's, right? That's the Borderlands 2 DLC. But apparently, if you were a PS Plus subscriber like six months or a year ago, 
you would have gotten the Handsome Jack collection, which already had that DLC as part of it. <laughs> so a lot of so a lot of people are pissed that um, they're throwing that the third game of the month in the last like five months have been really shitty like demos basically that's like hey you should buy the full game to experience more instead of it already being the full game so there are theories that like this new that they're doing that because they want people to buy into project spartacus and buy that high tier where you actually get full games but the game pass does that we get full games we get all kinds of games from different across different genres but and and we get game we get games day and date on game pass yes but two things there's still the stigma in the gaming community that xbox has no games and i say that in like quotation marks now we have all the games we have all the fucking games i know (laughs) i know but i still see people doing this stupid console war sony pony bullshit where they're like xbox has no games we have uncharted what do you guys have we have god of war what do you guys have and like at this point there's no way an xbox player can't play um a game that they love like even with these playstation games coming on pc like like you don't need a playstation anymore to play playstation exclusives so playstation is like losing their their exclusivity basically but that's what they want to lean more towards is what i'm hearing they don't want to have a kind of games pass where all their first party studios get their games on there for free because that they they're under like the 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 belief that that raises a culture where like you don't really try hard to make a good game it's just going to be uploaded to games pass anyways which is what a lot of people's critique is already on games pass i don't know if you guys have been hearing about that but there's basically this worry even with xbox fans that the longer games pass goes on for the lower quality games will be because there's no incentive for games to really stick out because like you just you can just make a game throw it on games pass and like you're doing your job basically which i disagree with i think that there's oh 100 um, percent disagree yeah. with that that's that's insane I mean, yeah. I can kind of like I can kind of see it from that aspect, though, but more in the sense of multiplayer games like like uh, like FPS games in particular, where they're sort of been trending in that direction anyway, where they sort of release it as a very unfinished product. And I think that them as a studio not requiring to put in the extra effort um, to make their money back uh, on a game release could potentially incentivize that a little bit but i do think that the opposite is what's going to happen for single player games where we're we're going to see an increase in quality um because they're not necessarily going to be as worried about time constraints and they're going to be able to update things a little bit easier on the fly 100 percent. so i think phil spencer has said in the past that he envisions like a goal where basically every two months there's a handful of games coming out that is um, going to appeal to somebody, whether you're into shooter games, platformers, side scrollers, whatever. He wants there to be a kind of time frame where games are released on Games Pass every every few months from first party studios specifically. Um, and at this point, I feel like he's enough studios to to achieve that goal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But um, 
like I think you're gonna see that the most with RPGs first of all, because what we have Obsidian now, who's gonna make uh second Outer Worlds. You have Bethesda that's gonna make um Elder Scrolls, uh Fallout, and now Starfield. And then well, I, I mean, guess we're Obs- not gonna see any of that for a while though. No, but but still, like I feel like that's the genre that's gonna blow up. Oh, not to mention Fable with playground games and uh And that other one from Obsidian, the Avowed. The avowed, yeah, thank you. Avowed. So th- that's like what, five or six RPG games that are gonna come out in the next like five to ten years, I guess. Right. Not to and mention that's just the ones else with Arcane and all the rest of those guys. Like Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I, I don't forget what's the Redfall Empire one, Redfall. Redfall. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and those are just the games that have been announced. Like yeah. imagine what's in the pipeline to come out. So I feel like there's no way that Xbox is going to lose quality because they have this like staggering timeline now that it really doesn't matter if developers take 3 years or 5 years to make their game as long as they make a quality product and they keep rolling them out and they have enough studios to do that. So I feel like Games Pass is like not the scapegoat for quality. I feel like you're just it's it's good value for your money. But like having said that, I feel like Games Pass price is probably going to go up naturally. I'm okay Honestly, with that though, though. Yeah, like I I see it the same way that uh, like every now and then when the Netflix pl- prices used to go up, um, yeah. like around Which the time when they recently. started. Yeah, it did happen pretty uh, recently. But like when Stranger Things first came out, I think the first season, a couple months later, um, they sent out emails to people uh, that like their account holders and said that the price was going to go up a little bit. Um, but the trade off for that is more exclusive content, in which case we had been led to believe that they were going to be releasing very good exclusive content on Netflix, which they did continue to do. Yeah. So there, there are times when it, I think that the increase in price does warrant the benefits you get out of it. And in this case, Game Pass, in my opinion, uh, will be a warranted price tag. Well, right. If you're going to raise your price so that you can include uh, bangers like Diablo and Call of Duty and all of these other games going forward from Blizzard and Activision and whatever other studios are underneath that, they... Uh, Activision Blizzard also owns uh, what is it? Spyro the Dragon and Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, you're right. Previously, yeah. huge PlayStation mascots. <laughs> now they belong to yeah. Xbox. Yeah, um, I, I for one would love to replay Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. Um, I, but could I you imagine making a brand new fucking game, like brand new with with all the studios we have now? Yeah. Oh, not to, oh. Uh, going back to what we were talking about RPGs is, uh, I think Blizzard announced they're developing a brand new RPG now. So that's another one that's going to happen. Um, but I, what I wanted to say is that when Ryan was talking about the price of Netflix going up and them offering more higher quality shows, Netflix is also diving into video games. So I don't know if you've noticed, if you log into Netflix on your phone, they have an app drawer now. So that's you can, cool. So you can download a few games on your phone, and I believe the intention is eventually to get into game studios. Um, but then there's also Apple, who's apparently starting their own video game console. Like that's the rumor. They're poaching uh, Microsoft um, personnel to to build their own console. Really? I don't think yeah. I'd ever buy an Apple console. I'd never even buy a Mac. So, and and the way I <laughs> the way I see it. 
every every console attempt that's been made since Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft ha- are the big three. Like has failed. Like, have, do you guys remember the the Ouya? Oh, I remember that. Yeah, there that was didn't like get very far. No, and there was like one game that people particularly liked, and it was like this frog game where you just fucked around with like physics and whatnot, like basically Goat Simulator, but a frog. But, but a frog. So can we <laughs> yeah. just call it Frog Simulator? That's probably what it's called. Frog Simulator. Um, and then and then Google Stadia, like, is is that still like relevant? I Stadia feel like... is it's still a thing, uh, but I'm it's I think it's getting eclipsed by. The, uh, Microsoft. the Microsoft, yeah, yeah, um, like it, with, uh, with cloud gaming, and it's attached to Game Pass too. So basically, anything that's on Game Pass can be played through cloud gaming. Yeah, and um, I remember, I know Terraria canceled porting their game over to Google Stadia because you know Google is fucking about with people's um, uh, what is it called when when they get copyright infringement on music that they own or or properties that they own from other companies that have the money and the lawyers to to kill the the competition so basically the guy the ceo or the guy who created terraria was um his account was just blocked by google one day and he's just like yeah like that's it like we're not putting our game on google stadia and uh that was kind of a big deal because Terraria does draw a lot of players. So Oh, definitely. And they just had a massive um, DLC release and won a big award at the yeah. uh the game awards this year. Terraria? Yeah. yeah. It was like That's their right, final Terraria. DLC. Like, they they won some some award for uh whatever the expansion was. I think it was I don't remember what the award yeah, I, was for. Yeah, and I can't recall, but it's basically I think they just called it an up um yeah, Ollie, your mic's like getting all. Yeah, <laughs> your mic's getting yeah. all. Uh, getting all twingy. Is it fine now? Yeah, it sounds better. Yeah. Now. <laughs> okay. Okay. Probably just a weird blip. But um, I remember playing. You're a Terraria. weird blip. Thank you. I'm a weird blip on this earth. <laughs> At least I blip, bro. Um. Anyways, bro, I remember do you playing even it. blip? <laughs> oh God, we're gonna start getting into end game references, aren't we? Um, I don't even know. <laughs> But anyways, I remember playing Terraria five years ago, and it's a great game. And that that DLC update makes me want to definitely jump back into it. Labor of Love Steam Award? Yeah, that was it. I think Techland also won that award for Dying Light at some point. Yeah, probably the following DLC a couple years back. Yeah. Mm, nice. Yeah, those those two game studios have definitely supported their games for like five years plus. It's insane. Oh, yeah. Makes me excited for Dying Light too. But while we're on the topic of uh, of good single player games, <laughs> Segway. Uh, yeah, we have briefly mentioned this, um, but God of War has now been out for a good couple weeks on Steam, and we have definitely all got our hands on it to a certain degree. Yeah, I owe mine yeah. to my buddy Gord. Shout uh, out to Gord. Thanks, homie. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm curious. How well optimized is it? It's I'd pretty, pretty good. Well my only issues that I ever find with the game is just uh, is more so with the Bluetooth connection to the controller. And sometimes it'll just sort of disconnect itself. Like the controller won't disconnect from the PC, but the game will disconnect the controller. And it'll revert back to mouse and keyboard without uh, touching anything. 
I, I don't know Tell if that's me. ever happened to you, Alex, but it, uh, it would often cause crashes in my game where the controller would disconnect and then a couple seconds later when it stopped letting me move, uh, the game would just sort of crash. No, I haven't experienced that. I mean, I've had controller disconnects, but I don't think that's the game. I think it was just my Bluetooth model. It could out. be. I mean, my, um, my PC is pretty good Bluetooth, so it's never been an issue for me, but there was an update for the game yesterday, and I was reading the patch notes, and they said that they were doing a bunch of uh, crash fixes as well as like various um, different controller reworks. Okay. So hopefully that's uh, that's now been fixed, but I won't find out until Monday when I uh, pick up the game next on stream. Yeah, no, I have... Other than that, I have no real uh, issues with my controller. And yes, I play God of War with an Xbox controller. <laughs> hey, that's Optimal. that, that kind of surprises me because um, RPG games on PC are great to play with the keyboard because you can access all your abilities with all the keys that are available to you, whereas on Xbox you have to hotkey maybe two or three abilities. And I know playing The Witcher on PC versus Xbox, you know, you got all your five um, spells on PC on your keyboard, but then on Xbox, I think you are limited to two. And so it kind of makes you choose the kind of um, playthrough you want to do. Um, and I'm curious, I, I mean, in God of War, that's not so much of an issue. I think the one thing you have to switch between on your on your controller is whether to use your electric arrows versus your um, light. light arrows. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I I I, I just think personally, I would probably pl have played keyboard for an RPG. Oh, I would definitely agree with you in the case of The Witcher, but. To me, God of War is uh, it it just has a very simplistic feel on a controller. Yeah. It doesn't require yeah. a lot of other buttons. It's just stringing together combos from the the couple of different attack buttons that you already have, and then having different weapons interact within those combos. But I think I think it plays smoother on a controller. Um, and I have tried a, a decent amount. Um, I think I probably have like two and a half hours on mouse and keyboard and then the other three and a half or so on uh, on a controller. And okay. I, I just, I, I prefer the controller. I think that uh, it makes the gameplay and the combat feel a little bit smoother, even with the slight input lag. Mm -hmm. You get a lot of input lag? Because I don't seem to have much. No, not often. It, it, it only happens occasionally when... Uh, I often find like when I'm entering a new area and the area with the serpent, when you first find him, that that seems to be a really uh, graphically taxing area. So I often get frame oh. drops when I'm just in that part with the bridge. Right. Um, oh, really? But yeah, aside from that, it's, it's definitely not uh, a noticeable delay. I'm just so used to playing games almost exclusively on mouse and keyboard now that any sort of uh, delay I'll notice a little bit. Right. Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, well, um, I'm curious, Alex. Uh, you're the one that I think has the most experience playing the original God of Wars um, than me and Ryan. Uh, how do you like the difference in in what God of War has become? Because oh. it, it definitely plays very differently from the previous oh, games. Oh, extremely different. The The original yeah. games were like, a, I don't want to say it's not a beat-em-up, but kind of is a beat-em-up mixed yeah. with like a... A weird, not even bullet hell. They just they just throw a lot of enemies at you. It was like horde mechanics, but you you could strike them down in 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 a few strikes, right? It was like, a, yeah. it, whoa, it's an action RPG. Fuck sakes, I don't know why yeah. I'm stumbling on that. Um, and it was 
pretty fucking dope for its time. Like you could you could still get combos and you could still string up uh, combos between like different weapons and shit. And that was another thing too. Was like there was always a lot of different weapons that you'd find on your on your journey um, and different things you can do. Lots of puzzle solving. Um, I find the the puzzles in this are a little bit more simplistic. Yeah, um, but still very satisfying when you when you get them. Um, yeah. Like the original God of War, like. Fuck me, like that game could be hard sometimes, like super hard, where you gotta like pull a crank on one side of something to let water move up or down and then like swim to the other side and get to the hole before it closes. And like if you weren't on your game, you would miss that hole every fucking time. Mm-hmm. Uh but like the combat itself I is fantastic. I really do like this over the shoulder third person um just beat down. <laughs> like Mm-hmm. You can throw the axe. You can return it like Mjolnir. It's it's you grab people and punch the fuck out of them and shit. Like it is. It is a crazy, crazy game. Um, yeah, definitely a far cry from from its predecessors. Because in in every other game, you always had the oh they changed names different times. The chains of wrath or the chains of Olympus or the chains of whatever the hell they're called. Like the his Kratos's signature weapon. Yeah, the blades of Athena. Like they went through like four different names throughout the however many different games they had. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, was it like as in it was a different blade every time? I think so. Or it was like upgrade. Oh, okay. I just remember like the 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 name would change. Yeah. Um, my my favorite of the original trilogy was three. By far, was three. Like two, the story was dope, and I think it had better story than three. But three, just the whole its feel, its use of scale was impeccable. Like. The, there are times where like you'd zoom out like you'd be climbing up like a mountain face and it would just zoom you out all the way back out to your like a tiny speck still climbing the mountain just to show you what's going on around you huge landscapes and and giant vignettes of of enemies giants and stuff fighting in the background like it was insane um although i haven't seen how much use of scale there is like you're you're on mountain peaks in this game and you can look out and see all around you and it is a this game is gorgeous as fuck but i don't i don't think they've utilized the same amount of scale they don't give you they don't pan out as much and kind of give you a, a good look yeah. after your surroundings it, it does feel like a lot of the areas that i've played in so far have definitely been very contained like they look very yeah. large especially when you stare out into the background but throughout the parts that you actually have combat within or you're just exploring it it does sort of have a very linear feel and not that that's a bad thing at all because i think it adds to the uh how cinematic the game feels yeah but i would definitely like to see more uh shots of just big open landscapes even if it is just in a, a sequence of you climbing the side of a mountain or something like that yeah other than that man this game is unreal the story is pretty cool so far old man fucking kratos like it's it's weird seeing him in like this semi-weakened state where he's just like he's old and you you can feel yeah. it in his movement and he's <laughs> he's like a half step away from just saying i'm way too old for this shit like <laughs> you just really you really feel he's got the grizzled beard he's just got the tired look on his face uh, but you piss him off and he snaps right back to his old self his old bad self. He's a brutal motherfucker. Yeah, oh, he yeah. is. Combat is so satisfying and it has a, a difficulty to it that that makes it interesting as well. Like it, even if you die and reset at a 
at a certain fight, it, it always feels like the, the approach is different each time. Just the way the enemies act and how everything goes around you and the, the progression of seeing yourself get better at, with your combos and all of that. Oh. It just adds to a, a very immersive feel to all of it, even with deaths being included in that. Yeah, even having to survey the battlefield as you're on it too, right? And figuring out who you got to take out first um, and then who, who you can leave to a little bit later because they're, they're just minions and like you want to get rid of the heavy hitters first because they'll, exactly. they'll, they'll two-shot you, one-shot you if you're not paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like one of those first ogre boss fights where all of a sudden at certain intervals of health, he'll spawn in uh, these little minions that'll throw like poison uh, grenades at you and stuff. And if you don't deal with them and you just go straight for the boss, that poison is just going to build up at your feet and eventually kill you very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. So you have to go and deal with those guys as soon as they spawn and then get back to the boss and just keep an eye on the the respawning um, ads that he'll just continue to bring into the fight until you beat him. Yeah, the the thing I found about this game is it kind of has a similarity with doom 2016 and doom eternal in that the game rewards you for basically being on your feet um like i know in doom when you move around you take like 15 percent less damage or something like that so it rewards you with like moving across the map and doing a lot of glory kills and whatnot and Mm -hmm. in in this god of war it's very unlike um the original god of wars at least the one i played was the playstation one i think it was god of war was it retribution or something like that? No, I can't remember. But um, it it's definitely a lot more methodical in your approach with it. You can't just go like hack and slash beat em up style. Oh no, this isn't um, an, this isn't an, an action RPG. You can't just yeah, roll into the crowd. I know. And expect to come out on top. You're gonna get yeah. fucked quick. And but that <laughs> but that was the approach I originally had with the game. Is that like I really took my time wailing on certain um, enemies, and then it would open me up, and I would just be attacked from behind by those fireball throwing dudes that you seem to find everywhere, and uh, and I would die. But then I took a hiatus, and I and I came back to the game after a while and i i kind of clicked in me that like you can't really focus on like one dude or at least that's how i found like works the best in combat is you kind of got to move around because when you hit people from behind that's when you stun them and then you can do those like glory kills with them basically so um now i have like no issues with the combat but before i found it really really challenging and yeah it's just all it took was that little realization that like you got to be kind of like a badass and fucking throw yourself around and do your combos. Yeah. But be mindful so, and make sure that shields up and people throw yeah. shit at you. I've Honestly, upgraded my shield fully. So like, well now I can, I can ricochet everything back at people. Oh really? Oh yeah. I've only used shield for parrying. I have like never upgraded it. Oh dude. Upgrade yeah. the shield. It makes life so much easier. Yeah. I haven't. Um, I think the highest upgrade I have is the shield bash. Um, but I've been mostly focusing on Atreus's oh, yeah. abilities. I find he's super useful for stunning enemies. If I ever hear like a behind you or or I just I'm in the midst of like a group of people, I'll just spam the I what is it, X button? Um yeah. and just and just get him to launch a volley of arrows and just save my ass and then I I dash away and then I'm good to go again. Right. Not to mention like you, as you upgrade him, he becomes more and more 
um what's the word i'm looking for prepared i guess for battle like he'll go in and he'll take stuff on yeah that's right i think you eventually you can upgrade him where he jumps on the shoulders of people and distracts them and oh he'll stab them and shit too and anything anything you hit them with does extra damage like yeah i think at that point it's stun damage yeah yeah or yeah, I, I also think that it has to do with like in-game playtime as well because I haven't really done a ton of upgrades for him aside from uh, upgrading his bow, but he he gains confidence the more you're in combat it seems, and he's just more willing to to do things on his own instead of requiring direction. If you just sort of um, have him interact with uh, the basic level enemies, like I would. What I would do is I would bring them really close to to zero health and I'd stand back and let him get the finishing shot on a lot of enemies. And it seems to just continually upgrade his confidence. So for the next fight, he would be a little more interactive and he would go and stun enemies on his own and just do stuff without requiring my direction. And even though I'm still like pretty early into the game... um, doing a little bit of like the side quests and everything really seemed to pay off in that regard because I haven't had to put as much of a focus on upgrading him along with my other skills at this point. Right. Oh yeah. That's, I've, that's uh, actually really neat. I've invested a lot of points in Atreus because he's actually quite useful. Yeah. Um, I find that he is. And I also found that, uh, those shock arrows work really well against frozen enemies or like, like the blue guys, the guys that are like made of ice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's just a, a natural weakness, but yeah, you hit them with shock and they take stupid amounts of damage. Like I took on enemies that were like three, four levels above me that I shouldn't have been fighting. Um, but of course, I'm always used to using his arrows in battle and I had them on shock and they took like a quarter or a third health of damage on the first volley. And I was like, wait a second. Yeah. <laughs> I think- I think I found the same. I mostly upgraded my shock over the light arrows, and it, it, it makes a tremendous amount of difference. It also helps a lot, too, if you if you take the time out to explore off the beaten path. You find so much stuff, so many materials, so much hack silver, um, those, uh, those apples. Are they apples? Yeah. Yeah, there's apples, and then there's horns. Horns of mead, the yeah. blood mead. Blood mead, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, that's... That's one thing that I've that I kind of wanted to comment on is I'm not a huge fan of games that throw like an infinite amount of different types of consumables. Like there's hack silver, there's soft A gear, there's hard A gear. There's like 20 different things you need to make different materials. And I'm not really a fan of that because I find it's very redundant. Cuz after a certain point in the game, you just get so many of them that there's no point in what it is so you might as well have just done like three different types of currency you know what i mean yeah i totally get you and that's the same problem that uh that the destiny economy has is where everything is worth a different (laughs) amount of a different material where a hundred different currencies for fuck's sake yeah exactly (laughs) and all of them are in varying degrees with no semblance of like oh this is equal to this much currency no it's It's, just these are for this you can only use these for this Exactly. And uh, it's it's the same thing. It just it feels redundant because there isn't a need for these other things when we have uh, an in-game money type currency that we should just be able to buy stuff with. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like 
Like the one way I could see it working is if there are certain cons like currencies that you would need to farm certain enemies for, you know, and then it would be worth it because if you wanted to build this one armor, then you just farm this for a while. But in an RPG that's has a linear narrative, I don't see the point. I don't think you can go back to old areas that you've already beat and things don't respawn because there's been quite a few side missions that have taken me to backtrack and things don't respawn unless it's like a new little hidden area that wasn't there before so there's, yeah. yeah so i just don't find that it really works like i keep looking at like the the shops and being like oh i want to i want to make this atreus armor and then it's it's taken me until the part i am in the game to find that particular um well, there like are some materials I find need. that you only get from completing the story. Like, I don't think I've found, uh, what is that? That frozen something. You use it to upgrade the axe, but you only seem to get it from story beats. Oh, you don't yeah. Mm -hmm. I've, I, haven't, I haven't found it out in the wild. It's never dropped off an enemy that wasn't part of the, what I was doing. Yeah, oh, those for um, sure. Yeah. And then but the other stuff, like it is encouraged that you not take the linear path and not take the golden path that you, you check out what's going on in in all the nooks and crannies. And more often than not, you will find a chest full of whatever, or you'll find a treasure map that, that you can go and solve. And then you can go find that treasure and that'll give you a thousand and one different materials. Like, yeah, that's true. I haven't actually solved any of those treasure maps. I'm really bad with those. Like, in Red Dead Redemption 2, you'd have the same thing. And I'm like, fuck if I know where that is. Um, but Look it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm someone that feels super guilty for looking things up. Because I always Why? feel no like... No one here is going to judge you. I, I look to... shit up all the time when I can't figure something out. Yeah, and, and, and you're right. Like, you think, you think should... Destiny is, is always plain, <laughs> plain Jane, easy to go? It's not. It's not at no, all. Destiny that's why is a I avoid it like the plague. Game. <laughs> and I can't stop fucking playing it. For fuck's sake. <laughs> the grind is real. No, and yeah. Man, you... Some of the stuff you gotta do is so fucking convoluted for no reason other than it's content. No, you have a good yep. point. I'm, I'm doing my best to be more active with paying attention to my enjoyment of games and, and media in general. Uh, if I'm playing then stop it. playing it, exactly. Exactly. So when I get frustrated that I can't solve a puzzle, I I shouldn't be uptight about having to look it up. But I in this game, I think there was one puzzle that I actually ended up looking up after a while, and it just bugged me how like simple it was, and like I couldn't figure it out. But yeah, like I shouldn't I shouldn't care. No, you shouldn't. I don't even hesitate, man. Like when I when I was playing through, uh, pardon me, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, I got stuck at like like the beginning of the fucking game like when you get just after you get your your force push mm -hmm. and getting out getting back from the temple back to the ship i got lost for oh, what oh. felt like two and a half hours just running fucking circles all because i kept running past this one door that i didn't know was unlocked uh, yep okay what? it looked it looked locked and so i never went into it and because i never went into it it was like a fucking hop, skip, and a jump from that point, getting back to the ship, and I traversed this planet. So, I mean, I found all the secrets and shit, but like, the, not because I wanted to, because I was trying to get back to the goddamn <laughs> ship. And then had to, I had to watch a video on how to get out. And then when they showed the door, I was like, "Oh, I'm such an idiot." Such I know exactly idiot. what you're talking about. 
Mm. I had the same thing for a while. Mm. I ended up but it's like it, you really it was just a door that was there the entire time the entire fucking time you pass it i'm pretty sure he even says something about it as you walk by it and, and, and no i just every time this, every time i is this the dungeon sorry. that is are you talking about the the temple thing where you have to move all the giant steel balls no that was easy as fuck but I'm, oh, okay. i've also played i've played puzzle games my entire life man like that's that was a, that part was a breeze. It was just getting back from the temple after you get your powers and you get out. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I, from I, getting I, from there back to the ship to to progress. Yeah, I don't think I got force push yet. I don't think I have that. That's like the first thing you get. Then I've forgotten how to use it. <laughs> <laughs> right trigger. Yep. Right trigger. Okay, that's that's um, my problem with not coming back well, to games for a while. Well, that's that's fine. Like the first, like the opening bit from that is like you go to the whatever that hidden temple on uh, on that planet with all the little squirrel thingies and bugs and deer things, whatever they are. And then you go from there to Zepho, and Zepho, I think, is where that when that temple is. Yes. And then from there yeah, you go wherever you right want in that game, and and that game was God. I missed that game. I might have to do another play. Well, the sequels coming out by the end of the year, they say. Really. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. And it's respawn. I kind of hope so. They They did a damn fine job on this game. Yeah. Speaking of which, did you guys see a few days ago that they got, they were given another three Star Wars games to make? Yes, I did hear about that. Yeah. 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 So that'll be cool. That should Um, be crazy. What do you, what do you think we're going to get? One's supposed to be an XCOM like game, which I'm pretty excited about because I love those game types of games. I'm down for a Star Wars XCOM. Hell yeah. Um, and I think another one's supposed to be a first-person shooter. <laughs> Battlefront three, <laughs> definitely Honestly, not a Battlefront. I I hope it's a Battlefront, but not like an EA Battlefront. No, what it should be is a fucking what we were talking about the other day is a Star Wars bounty hunters game. Yeah, that would be sick. I did, however, it's funny <laughs> because my cell phone likes to listen to me when I speak. Uh, when I was. Uh, in YouTube the other day, it actually just ha- just so happened to pop up a video of a an old review on Star Wars uh, Bounty Hunter, which you play mm-hmm. as Jango Fett. No, yes, I thought uh, I thought you played as like you could customize your own character in that one. No, you played I, I like... you played as a as a singular character. Okay, but what I would like is a game where you can make your own character mm-hmm. and become a bounty hunter. I think that'd be dope. You don't necessarily have to be Mandalorian. You can be if you want, but you could be anything and, and follow any path. I think that yeah. would be the coolest game ever. Respawn, awesome. we should talk. Uh, <laughs> got some ideas. Yeah, Vince, Vinny, Vinny Sampella. Reach out, brother. Fan yeah. of the show. While we're on the topic of Star Wars here, do you guys want to move over to uh, episode five of Book of Boba? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah, think I have anything else to add about God of War. Overall, it's a great game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until we're further in, I think uh, we'll probably come back to the topic once one or more of us have beaten the game. But until yeah. then, I think we're oh, overall yeah. just all very satisfied with it. Hell yeah! yeah now this this is the episode we uh, we uh, we watch part. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, the one yeah. where it was just you and I because uh, Ollie was um, working that no, night. The, we no, we, we, there, there's two. 
I was just having this conversation with Ollie before the show, before you joined. There's been two episodes since the last pod. Yeah, right. Because we didn't record the one that where Ollie did join us, and then we had Javier from uh, from Nerd Talk Plus. Shout outs to Javier from Nerd Talk Plus. I know you listen, brother. Thank you. Huge shout outs. We got to have you on the show. Um, But yeah, we watched that episode, and that was the one where like he went around pretty much recruiting everybody mm-hmm. and had that dope ass dinner scene we'll get to that um and then there was the one that you and i watched the other day which was yep. the latest one and i mean we'll talk about it all you might have to put earmuffs on oh i i do not care when it comes to star wars <laughs> I, don't mind, I don't mind hearing spoilers that's fine um yeah if you guys want to get started on that i just need to i need to step away for a moment nope. <laughs> yeah um, sure but- Episode four was uh, definitely a lot of exposition again, um, but I think done in a in a more tasteful way than they did it in episode three. Uh, and episode three just had a lot of cool shit that kind of happened in it. And then the story just sort of floated on around all the cool things that were happening. Uh, but I think in episode four, we, we really saw um, the pieces of the story kind of coming together. Uh, we see him, uh, Boba, sort of beginning to recruit his uh his bounty hunters guild um in order to combat the pikes as well as we get um a a flashback to or was there a flashback in episode four there was episode four i thought episode four was an entire flashback when he first got back his ship yeah the first you're right the first like half or more of it was uh that flashback where he uh meets fennec for the first time and we see the uh the flares that mando and the that random bounty hunter that was trying to get into the guild were shooting off to block the sniper shots um and then bring yeah that's right and obviously that didn't happen in uh in mando season one um and she just sort of disappeared as far as we knew but in this we see boba uh walk up to her bring her to um a doctor and get her fixed up from the uh, the blaster wound that she suffered, uh, which I thought was awesome, and I know we talked about this a lot during the watch party, but it was really cyberpunk esque. Yeah, yeah, and that's interesting because what would you describe Star Wars' whole like theme? Is it like retro, like punk, or it's not steampunk? No, but... I. Hmm, it's hard to say because like I feel like a lot of it could fit into the genre of like retro punk, but then again. Um, once you get past episode six, um, like for, for the movies, I mean, uh, it, it's sort of, I felt like it had a more futuristic feel, like everything was just slightly more fantastical in, uh, in the newer trilogy. Um, and it just, it kind of had an overall different feel to it, but in this, in the book of Boba, I would, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to put my finger on it because it's definitely not steampunk because it doesn't it doesn't necessarily have that uh, like the really old feel to it. Like it does yeah. have a kind of pro feel, but not like a vintage feel. Yeah, and and I guess like regardless, I would of- argue that that's a cyberpunk kind of feel to it. That's what we were. I mean, we've got uh, we've got we've got a Ripper doc. We've got that fucking heist synth oh, no. music that was playing like no no that's that's what we arguing is cyberpunk but like oh but but star wars just in general doesn't mm-hmm. really give the vibe that that scene gives oh god no star wars and, is is a and, is a space opera fucking fantasy space opera fantasy okay let's go with me. that because that that sounds <laughs> that sounds good enough to me um 
but yeah like regardless of what it is that's just like a very different like uh atmosphere than star wars has previously been not that i've like watched a whole lot of star wars but no you're definitely right Mm -hmm. it sticks out that was the whole thing that we were talking about in the last episode as well with the uh that like group of um moped speeders where they they really just (laughs) sore thumb and can you really call them speeders (laughs) not not really no more like pedal bikes yeah even But I, I did think that in that scene, the way that they showed them, it, it like it sort of fit in a little bit more. They didn't have as many vibrant colors, and even their implants were a little more uh, plain colored and um, chrome or like grayish. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of like that. It, it did seem to fit in a little bit better than our first introduction to these types of characters. Um, but I still am a little on the fence on whether or not I, I like their introduction all that much or not yeah i'm 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 honestly getting like a hello fellow kids vibe from it it's just i don't know pandering to to what they think a certain demographic wants to see in star wars Mm -hmm. yeah and i definitely got that feel from it as well especially in episode three slightly less so in episode four because there's not as much of a focus on these characters and more so just showing that they've been around on Tatooine, I guess, for some amount of time before Boba enlisted them. Yeah, which I think explains because I don't know, even if even if Boba was this like badass that everyone knew about and whatever, it that scene in was it episode three when he first recruited them where he um Yeah, with the water. Yeah, where he pays he pays like half of what they owe or whatever mm-hmm. um, in exchange for their freedom um that's just like a weird scene to me where it's like you don't even know these people you're gonna pay half their tab and then you're gonna like trust them to be around you and like be in your posse so i guess this to me kind of like gave them the backstory they needed to solidify his decision in Mm -hmm. episode three and i think that's why they were there in the beginning that's my take on it no, I definitely I definitely agree with you. I think having even that quick little scene of introducing them at a at a point in the story before they were enlisted does definitely add to the context behind that whole situation and makes it a little more clear as to why he made that yeah. decision. Because in episode three, it just it that entire scene kind of felt out of place without the context behind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, um, overall, but, though, like episode five was hella dope, though episode four. we're talking about episode four still yeah was five yeah, what we uh, just watched five yep. is the most recent one oh my god I... i'm thinking we were at six for some reason jesus oh, Christ. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry but, four i know i well, four. From, i was from there in episode four um we just see boba and fennec um working together to get his ship back and then fennec eventually joins him in his quest to uh become the new daimyo of tatooine oh shit and they bomb the sarlacc yeah Oh, yeah, which, looking for okay. his armor. Yeah, because I completely forgot in that scene that he doesn't remember what happened to him after he crawled out. Even mm-hmm. though the whole reason he survived was because it, the Sarlacc couldn't digest uh, Beskar fast enough. Um, but yeah, I guess he was delirious and, and whatever. Um, but uh, I just found that whole scene like really just like dumb. Like the, the fact that he decided to like get up in the Sarlacc pit's face with his ship 
<laughs> like, I know what he was going for. It was like, oh, the ship is safe. Like, it can't possibly hurt me in this. Um, but at the same time, I just felt like that was a really dumb move. And it was, I was just like, kind of asking for trouble at that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, it, it was like manufactured really drama. Mm-hmm. Sorry. I, I totally got you. And like, I, I don't know what he would be expecting from that either. Like, was he expecting he would be able to just see it from up there? Like, it, to me, that doesn't make sense. Like, Sarlaccs are pretty fucking big. I don't know if you guys have ever seen big. an actual i've seen uh, the i've seen the diagram of 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 the inside of like it's different fucking yeah and what they look like when they're under the ground yeah give me a give me a ballpark figure (laughs) so it kind of looks like two gigantic chickens back to back uh with a really long neck it has like four arms four legs that they use to sort of prop themselves up in this big bunker that they dig in the sand and then their long neck and beak are the only parts that really come above the uh the ground oh shit okay that sounds like it's huge um well, they're massive so i to me it doesn't make sense why he would bother doing that because you should have known that he wouldn't have been able to see anything in there never mind his armor right yeah so and and not to mention the whole um fennec dropping the bomb like how did she know exactly that that bomb wouldn't just stick to the back of the ship because the way they were angled <laughs> she she released that bomb and those bombs are for when you're flying or you're magic space. ollie space magic like yeah but that was just i don't hollywood know hollywood space magic that's how felt, that worked i felt like that scene was just way too perfect for that bomb to just fall back into the sarlacc pit i felt like it would have gotten stuck there because you have to be in motion for that, because it obviously doesn't have any kind of thruster of its own. So I don't know. And then not to mention by that scene, I was like convinced that that um, Fennec was like way more of a badass than Boba Fett. Like he basically didn't oh. do anything that episode. Well, she she carried a lot of the... <laughs> like he yeah, had man. an idea. She, she carried a lot of the workload, I won't lie, yes. He was the idea guy. She was the doer. But yeah, he did definitely. have his. He did have one. He blew up the Sarlacc pit. Two. He completely obliterated an entire group of those bikers. Mm-hmm. That's he had fun. his. Yeah, he had his badass moments. Just not as badass as Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan will. She's she's too good. And I think that uh, we're just gonna have to get used to that. That she's Boba Fett. Yeah, is the star of the show. But like Fennec Shan is, is like is like Boba. Buffett's uh, Kato from Green yeah. Hornet. <laughs> See, I, I think that they're doing it on purpose to sort of further the Godfather image that they're building around Boba. And they are doing it intentionally to put the focus on other characters to sort of show um, that just because you're an established name, uh, for example, like Boba Fett or Cad Bane, where they were legendary in their times um just because of that it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be following these characters as though they were the same like they're going to still go through changes as time goes on and as they endure through different events like the sarlacc pit and um allying with the tuscans which clearly changed boba's outlook on a lot of things um and i think that they're they're intentionally putting him in the background more so that they can focus and build other characters that we don't know as much about. Right. Mm, I guess, but like, I don't know. It kind of makes me think that like they could have just had another season of the Mandalorian where Bova was present. That's like essentially the kind of presence he's been getting. Well, you know, this latest episode. Yeah. The, okay. You would understand. The latest episode is, uh, is quite a game changer. I would say. 
Okay, but okay. So before we get there, already how cool the was that? Changer. How cool was that bar fight? Or well, if you want to call it a fight, that one one sided brawl with Chris Sanders. <laughs> so oh, yeah, awesome man. I mean, it so was cool to see that in live action. Well, right, and and you, it was funny because we were talking about it previously about how the Trandoshans would hunt Wookie and. Mm-hmm. Chrysanthemum didn't even give a fuck that these weren't even soldiers. They were probably just like regular folk. Yeah, Yeah, regular folk out gambling, and he just lost it. Oh, it was so good. Beats the shit out of him, and then then rips the arm off that last guy. Yeah. Yeah, he (laughs) was given... He was given the choice of putting him down and then having his uh, debts paid, and he was just like, "Fuck that! I want my dignity for my race." And he just rips right. the arm well, to, off. To be fair, he didn't kill him; he just ripped his arm off. Yeah, lizard people can apparently, regenerate yeah. them. Yeah, apparently they do. Actually, they can regenerate limbs. Oh hell yeah! Right, so well, that's no, that's like a no real big like a, a truth anywhere in the universe. If you got anything that looks like a, a lizard, then they can regenerate. <laughs> yeah that's okay. like that's like lizard law yeah okay so <laughs> so was that it that happened in episode four basically yeah as soon as that yeah, more or less ended, uh boba goes and enlists um chrysanthemum into help and then the episode ends right there okay. or basically so then... like, it goes to like the the scene where they're talking at the table uh with all of the other crime lords um and then we get oh, the Mando yeah when uh when fennec is telling him that they need more more bounty hunters that they're going to go and hire right and uh yeah you get the mando music and lo and behold this next episode pretty much the entire episode was a mando episode well but that wasn't even it even for not even for a little bit for like 45 seconds of screen time at the very end this was all mando and Oh man, really? there's so much to talk about, but so little time I, to do it. I'm not even upset about it at all. Like they they did this episode so well that to me it's a it's a non-issue that Boba wasn't in it because it built so much for both characters' stories. Okay, tell me what happened then. So oh. we basically jump right in with uh, Mando tracking a bounty, and uh, we get just this brutal fight scene where I truly didn't think that uh, they would be allowed to. To, to go as violent as they did with this scene. Um, it definitely stood out amongst a lot of other fight scenes in, uh, in these shows, but it was incredible. And he's collecting this bounty for what we can only assume is information uh, in order for him to find the covenant uh, of Mandalorians that uh, had moved off-world since uh, Moff Gideon uh, invaded in Mando Season 1. Right. <laughs> uh, so he delivers this bounty, um, and... He- he gets the information and the credits that he's looking for, and then he goes and he finds, um, what's her name? The uh, the female Mandalorian that sort of like runs the Covenant from the Mandalorian. She's the one that like crafts all the hand. armor and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like the 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 cult leader. Yeah. 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 So he finds her and the one other big, big uh, Mandalorian guy, the one with the the big minigun. Um, oh and yeah. She alludes to them being the last three of their covenant. So we can assume that most of them uh, were either killed off by the bounty hunters when Mando first escaped, or, or they were also killed by Moff Gideon when um, the end of Mando season one happened and they had to leave world. Uh, but we also get um, a quick snippet of who that other Mandalorian is when they mention his 
last name uh, being Vizla. And okay, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure if you know too much about that, Ollie. But um, he does not. Sounds, sounds <laughs> It does sound familiar. You guys probably have mentioned this name in the past. For yeah, this this would have been something that had come up uh, when we talked about Mandalorian season two. Um, but the House Vizla was um, not only the original wielder of the dark saber and the Jedi Mandalorian that created it, uh, but it was also so the house that um, started the Death Watch, which was a terrorist cell against Mandalore when they left their warrior religion behind in the Clone Wars era. Uh, and pre Vizsla, the leader of the house at the time was the wielder of the Darksaber that was then killed by Darth Maul. And uh, that's when Darth Maul became the wielder of the Darksaber. Oh. So this, the Darksaber has been in this Mandalorian his family for a very long time and that's where it originated so we immediately start to draw connections to him feeling um a sort of entitlement to having the blade and that's like i didn't think we'd see it in this episode but they, they immediately brought that point up when uh they show mando is having a hard time wielding the blade it's it's too heavy he can barely lift it um and the uh the covenant leader just continues to tell him that he is fighting against the blade. He's not not letting it in to sort of um, allow it to tell him how to move. He's just trying to wield it on his own. But you need a, a level of connection with this lightsaber in particular in order to wield it properly. So yeah, okay. in that scene, they're just kind of training. And then uh, the other, I don't, I don't remember his first name, but the other Mandalorian, Vizsla. Um, Paz. Paz Vizsla, yep, that's yeah. a good call. Uh, he, he claims that Mando is not worthy of that blade and that he should be the wielder of it. So they have a duel. Uh, side side context, sorry, real quick interjection. He who wields the blade can lead all of Mandalore is, yeah. is why this is so important. Carry on. Mm -hmm. So he challenges uh, Mando to a duel. Uh, um, it's, it doesn't matter if, if one of them dies or not. Whoever wins is the wielder of the Darksaber. Uh, and Mando's still not really able to lift it all that well. He's not, he's not capable of wielding it to its full potential. And uh, during the fight, he drops the blade at some point, and we see Paz Vizsla also try and pick it up and wield it. And he has the same problem, where he can barely get it off the ground. He's wielding it like, like he's the Hulk trying to lift Thor's hammer, basically. Yeah, okay. And uh, eventually, Mando wins, which leads us to... Um, a scene of him admitting that he had to take his helmet off at one point. So as Which we know, he was banished from exactly. From so they they said that he is no longer a Mandalorian, and the only way to redeem himself is to go to these pools beneath the surface, right beneath the surface of Mandalore, where he can mm -hmm. like cleanse himself. Exactly, and they'll they'll essentially dictate whether or not. He he is worthy to continue on the path of the Mandalore. So we get this uh, this memory scene of Mandalore being destroyed by the Empire, and it is beautiful. It is an absolutely gorgeous scene. Um, as the uh, full of destruction and death, and oh yeah, but it it looks so fucking amazing. <laughs> the leader is essentially just explaining the history of Mandalore and why Mandalore no longer exists, and all of this stuff, and fact that he can go there but not to expect much basically oh so wow. from 
Yeah, it's definitely setting up for big things in Mando season three. I, I won't go too much further in that part because there is another like really cool uh, little thing that happens that will lead into future stuff in the season. And I think you know what I'm talking about, Alex, with like the chain link with the spear. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I, I won't bring that yeah, up well, too much. Yeah, totally, we're not gonna we're not gonna give you everything. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel go. like I feel like whatever it is, if it's if it's something related to Star Wars lore, I it'll probably go over my head. Unless no, it's something this specific. one, this one, this is specific to what's going on now. You'll you'll yeah. get it. Trust me. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, but anyway, he leaves there and he ends up. Um, oh shit! Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> he ends up having to take a regular. Carter chartered flight <laughs> yeah. the razor has got blown up so he no longer is a ship so he has to go on public transportation from this math halo ring type of thing oh yeah it looked just like a halo it just didn't the ring didn't complete though it was like a giant u yeah it, it looks like it, awesome. it was fucking dope it's cool you'll you'll appreciate it so he takes this uh <laughs> this um galactic bus over to tatooine where he meets up with the uh, the woman that uh, runs the spaceport in Moss Eisley again. Oh, okay. Who fixes ships and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. yeah. And this is where it gets heavy into the Easter eggs. So this shit is and lore. Oh yeah, it is crazy, man. It's so many so combat. so. Before we get to what his ship is going to be, there's a BD, and I don't know if it's BD one. I want to believe it's BD one. <laughs> Just because I'm a nerd and that's how I, how it how it needs to be, um, but there is a BD bot just like in Fallen Order. Oh, working. Yeah, so and he even the, does like this in the shop type of things with like the map displays and like uh, I, how do I how do I say this without spoiling too much? Like we'll get to it actually. Never mind. Um, but anyway, they have a conversation and apparently uh, she had told Mando that she had found a replacement ship for him because the Razor Crest is gone. So, <laughs> in that happening, uh, Mando is obviously betting her a little bit because he wants something up to par with his ship, and he obviously also wants something that's not going to be on records for either Empire or New Republic. Um, and that's when we get the big reveal. You want to bring us in on that one, Alex? Oh, okay. So, Ali, you've seen... Have you seen like the the first, uh, not the first trilogy, this the the prequels, like like yeah, the prequels, the Phantom Menace and all that. You mean the Jar Jar show? Yes, <laughs> that's the one. Fucking love Jar Jar. Yeah. Do you Go do you on. remember what an N one Starfighter is? Do you remember the, the 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 yellow Naboo Starfighter ships? Um, not really. Well, that I'm right now, so on. When Anakin was a kid, he destroyed the uh, like a big droid chip in it i'm googling i need to say i'll say right now yes okay that's like picturing that yellow one yeah okay i know it yeah so he gets a tricked out beefed up version of one of those but the 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 thing is is he's gotta help her build it oh really so there's like this there's like this big montage of him and her working together and they do like deals and stuff with jawas and a lot of there's a lot of funny shit that goes on but yeah he gets a fucking n1 starfighter they they enlist the jawas to go and find them parts and they they come back suspiciously quickly with some very specific piece of equipment so mando asks how they got it um and they said that they stole it from the pike's train and Uh the piece of equipment that they stole uh, i didn't notice this um but, but i saw this on a breakdown earlier it was actually the same piece of equipment 
that they used to hold the walls apart in the uh, trash compactor scene of A New Hope. <laughs> nice. I didn't know. Oh. It was the same, like, it wasn't the same piece exactly, but it was like the same, the same like component. That I was think. In. Yeah, I just thought it was a cool little Easter egg. That is a cool Easter egg for those those that look for it. So, yeah. how how big is this N one Starfighter relative to his old ship? It is a pod racer. Yeah, it's it got like small. Yeah. They're tiny. Well, like, okay, that's what. I pit and that's it that's that's what i thought so it's that's probably not going to be his like permanent ship for the season three because he 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 usually has like a squad with him or you know on his ship like he has like nobody with him but it doesn't really matter because there's been quite a few episodes where it's coming really in handy having like more than you know well i mean coming into this episode it doesn't really seem to matter because sorry people were talking so i stopped talking no i was gonna say it's because he's he's gonna be sticking around He's teaming up with everybody, if you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah, so yeah. Basically- no, okay, I, I figure that's where you guys were going with it. Mm-hmm. They go through their montage, rebuilding the ship, and then it comes time to test it out. And it's not, like, rebuilt uh, in a classical way. They, they sort of MacGyvered it quite a bit and threw in a whole bunch of parts that wouldn't necessarily belong in a ship like that. So they just, they trick the fuck out of it. It's just ridiculous. Nice. And RGB uh, like <laughs> basically they give it a test flight and what's really cool about the test flight is he initially takes it through the original pod racing track from a phantom uh from phantom menace yeah it's a super cool well, scene like does he go by the the actual like stadium part of it like that's no what he, he, I think the part oh, right he after goes to the canyon the oh yeah, the canyon. Like, canyon okay and then the part with the big like pillars of rock that are all like weirdly shaped yeah mm-hmm. yeah and uh then from okay, there he so... goes up what were you gonna say Oh, no, 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 go on. I thought you were done. Well, if, like, I'm moving on to another part here, so if you had a question... No, I, I know, but but my question isn't relevant at all to the the what's happening in the episode. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, I don't think we had too much further to go before, before the end of uh, this episode, but he, he, uh, he ends up going into space again to, like, just in his test flight, uh, where he gets pulled over by the two um, New Republic like, uh, officers, I guess, like, kind of in a similar fashion to to uh, season two of the Mandalorian on that ice planet with the uh, spiders, with the, the old the guys? old Asian, yeah, with the old Asian yeah. guy oh. who's on who's in um... Kim's convenience. Kim's convenience. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's him. <laughs> and they're like asking him to give him like the registry of his ship or whatever. And he's like he's making up all his excuses because it's like it's brand new. You know, I haven't. Uh, you know, we're just we're just test flying it. I don't have all these things, and then. The one guy is trying to play bad cop, and he's like, "Well, we're gonna have to take you in." And then the other guy's like, "No, no, you know what? We'll give him a pass." But he's like, "He's like, your voice sounds familiar," and he thinks he knows he knows it's Mando. Oh, and he starts yeah. asking him about about past events, and Mando just kind of looks over at him, then like engages the ship and just boom, like just boots <laughs> out like faster than anything. Uh, and it was the, the well, I mean, you'll see it, but it was like the one guy's like, "I didn't even see his what did he say? His hyperdrive." charge up it's like, like no that was just his sublight thrusters oh wow so, so that's yeah, not this, even like this, no that yeah this ship is fast it is another wicked Easter wicked egg. fast Easter egg in that scene um obviously the uh the one guy from kim's convenience we knew already um but the other guy was actually the actor that played luke skywalker in mando season two's finale under the deep fake oh really but really? like without a deep fake this time right he played like, yeah yeah no, his just... real life face yeah yeah he was him that's pretty oh, crazy that's interesting trivia um yeah 
and yes, when they get back, and, and uh, Mando lands, and then Fennec comes out and enlists his help uh, to join Boba Effort. and that's where the episode ends. That's pretty much it. But you, you gotta you gotta watch it, man. It, it is fucking so killer. Okay, two questions. Um, it, it was it definitely Pedro Pascal in this yes. episode? Okay, and then my other question is. What motivation would Mando have to join uh, Boba aside from just well? You know, we're not giving you that one. You're gonna have to. Yeah, you'll have to watch the. Episode. You're gonna have to watch that. <laughs> oh, okay, so they they do give him a motivation in this episode. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So I think we kind of did like a rough breakdown of the episode, but it kind of went point to point on this one. Um, yeah, but as it still sounds I, like great. Like you guys oh, really yeah. sold this. It was a fantastic. Like now, but I, I think like I did. I did talk about this one. I I did not see it, it suddenly being a Mando episode in the cards. Oh yeah, like, it was it was pretty crazy. Like I I saw you know I went on Disney Plus today to watch um uh the last uh, what we do in the shadows and the banner at the top was the next Mando episode and it had like an image of just like three uh, aliens at a bar or whatever. And I just assumed it was another scene, you know, in the of Boba Fett going to the the casino or something like that. So mm. I had no idea that Mando was going to be the forefront of this episode. Yep. So is is this episode just really a he will be back kind of thing, or is this really integral to the story? Of, I'm thinking going forward, Mando is going to be a part of Book of Boba for the next few episodes. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Oh wow, interesting. Okay, oh, so yeah. now we got now we got Pedro Pascal back. We got Danny Trejo. Is is he still around? Or no, is he... you don't see him. I don't know. Oh, I okay. mean, maybe next episode, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Hell yeah. Huh. Anyways, boys, I need to wrap this up. Sorry oh, to everybody we're... listening. I need. No, to that's all right. I was just about to say. I think that's all there is. Yeah, yeah we pretty much. I mean, we'll next. I, I promise next week we'll have a definitely uh, with no timeline. Yeah. Um, this one just uh, got away from me. That's all. Anyways, uh, shout outs real quick. Want to shout out uh, Matt the Rat. He is our content publisher over at rathouse.net, R A T T H A U S dot net, where you can find other shows. Other shows like Twat FM, also known as The World According to Fear and MDI. Shout outs to those guys, because without them, I wouldn't have even gotten started in any of this. And then I'm going to do another special shout-out to Joey over at Blind Knowledge. Don't know if you're listening, buddy, but if you are, thank you for picking us up as well. He is our second content publisher uh, who's going to be doing a lot of cross-promotion for us. Um, and, uh, yeah, figured I'd give the guy a shout-out. Um, yeah, so, uh, Ollie, people want to find you on the internet. Where can they find you? Um, you just, like, make a bat signal of the nerdy Nomicron logo, and Deal. I'll come <laughs> to you. <laughs> But uh, for real, Instagram at Oliver.HRuiz. Ryan, the same for you, sir? Uh, yeah, you guys can find me at Synthetic7S. on. No, both. the same for you. You can you can find Ryan over at Oliver. Oliver <laughs> 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 Sorry, yeah, go ahead. Everybody, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, potentially Sundays, um, as well as stop by this episode release on uh, every Monday or Tuesday for the Nerdy Nomicron Show. Hell yeah. And for all of you listening, that was S-Y-N-T-H-E-T-I-K-7-S. Check him out. Yes, sir. That's yes, some sir. cool stuff. If you guys want to find me, and you can if you want, out on the Instagram 
and the Twitter on Twitter at the real Snurfin on Instagram at Snurfin. And if you want to reach out to us as a podcast, you can find us all over the place now. You can just Google us and find us now, but mostly on Instagram and Twitter at Nerdy Nomicron. That is the show for today. Until next time, folks. Peace. Peace. See ya.